as we continue our study in Nehemiah chapter 7, beginning in verse 1, it says, Then it was that when the wall was built, this is Nehemiah speaking, and I had hung the doors when the gatekeepers, the singers, and the Levites had been appointed, dot, dot, dot. Let's just pause there for a second in verse 1. Uh, this is an amazing accomplishment. This is, an, a tr- this is a tremendous accomplishment uh, by Nehemiah and his team, this uh, group of people that were the inhabitants of the city of Jerusalem. The walls were rebuilt and the doors now were finally hung. And it says that Nehemiah here in verse one appointed the gatekeepers and the singers and the Levites. The Levites would be uh, the, the priests. So what uh, an amazing task. What an amazing co- accomplishment. And then we have to ask this question, well, what was the reason that the people needed the city rebuilt to begin with? I think this is an important thing to, to ask as we uh, study this passage. Yes, you would say right away it was for safety. Uh, if you have walls that are torn down, you're not in a safe place. Uh, yes, it was to honor those uh, who had passed away, those that had gone before them or that were killed in the captivity, those that couldn't be there to see their homes rebuilt. It was honoring to them. Uh, yes, it was also able to set up a place of worship, to be able to have a community, a safe place where you can worship God freely. What a blessing, and especially in the context of our study when there's enemies all about seeking to attack, to have a fortified, well-protected city where you can live and where you can thrive and where you can worship. Now, worship is a very, very important part of our relationship with the Lord. I don't know if you realize this or not, but worship is something that all mankind takes place or participates in, regardless if they're Christians or not. Yes, I'll say it again. We think of praise and worship as being, you know, the time that we sing songs at church. You know, we lift up our voices. We play on our instruments. You know, we bang on our drums and strum our guitars. And and yes, that's a great, great thing that we call part of what we do as worship unto the Lord. But every single person, every single person on the face of this earth participates in worship. Now, they may not be worshiping the one true God, but they're worshiping something. And they're pushing all of their attention in a certain direction. They are giving time to and investing in something that may even be considered a false God. See, worship is what we're going to be primarily speaking on today and looking at. Worship is in the heart of every human being that has ever lived and will ever live. Worship, to, to praise and to be in awe of something. Uh, to worship is in the very DNA of our being. We're drawn to worship. Now, notice that I didn't mention what was worshiped. I just said we're drawn to worship. I didn't say uh, to whom we give worship or to what we give worship. Uh, I just said it's in our DNA to worship. And it really is. It's a part of our design to, to worship. And we need it and we do it. Webster's Dictionary defines worship as this. Worship is to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. 
So when we come in contact as human beings with some form of greatness, we are prone to worship and esteem that greatness. You know, when you come into contact with something that causes you to be like, wow, you know, we are prone to worship that. And whether you want to call it that or not, we have to just understand that this is a given for mankind. We were created to worship. Now, this is such the, such the case in the fourth book of Moses, uh, by, uh, of the Bible. Uh, the, the first, you know, five books are called the Pentateuch. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, uh, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So we're going to be looking at actually the fifth book where, uh, Moses says, actually the Lord speaks to Moses in Deuteronomy chapter four, verse 19. And he says this, and take heed lest you lift up your eyes to heaven. This is the Lord speaking. Again, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 19. He says, And take heed lest you lift your eyes to heaven. And when you see the sun and the moon and the stars and all the hosts of heaven, and listen to what the Lord says next, and you feel driven to worship them and to serve them, which the Lord your God has given to all peoples under the whole heaven as a heritage. He says, Take heed. Be careful that when you see these things that you don't end up worshiping the creation instead of the creator. Now, in this passage in Deuteronomy, again, remember the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. In this book, the fifth book of Moses, obviously, as you know, it was written in Hebrew. And when the Lord is saying, when you see these things. When you gaze upon these things, in Hebrew, this word for see is actually translated to look at or to inspect or to uh, perceive or to consider or to find out. Like, I want to know more about that. He also says when you're driven, as driven to worship, that Hebrew word for driven means compelled. You're driven towards something. You're compelled to worship. That word for worship is the word shaka in the Hebrew, uh, which means to bow down and to prostrate oneself uh, before God, to worship. And then also the last word to look at in Hebrew there is to serve, which means to work or to labor or to make oneself a servant up. So the Lord tells Moses, be careful. If you are seeing something that's majestic, something that is awe-inspiring, and you are driven to worship it, watch out. You do not want to worship the creation and not the creator. See, worship is intrinsic inside the human being, meaning that the desire to worship belongs to us by our very nature. It's natural for us to, to worship. Now, some of us may say, well, it's not very natural for me to lift up my voice and to sing. Well, listen, we are worshiping something. We are worshiping something, and it's either God or it's a false God. You know, I think it's natural to worship. Also, we hear people say, you know, you're my idol. I, I, I look up to you. I want to be like you. I, I, I want to, uh, I, I worship you. And in some case, you get those crazy fans and those stalker people that are, you know, like, I, I worship this person and they're placing too much value on something that's created. You know, people that have said, you know, I've idolized uh, him my entire life. You know, really the progression here in Deuteronomy is I look, 
I'm driven, and I serve. And this progression really is such a phenomenon. See, where I focus, where my focus is, that's where I'm going. And whom I worship, I will serve. That's how it goes. Wherever I'm focused, that's where, I, where I'm going to go. And whoever I'm worshiping is the one that I'm serving. And if you're not worshiping the one true God, then by default, you're reallocating, I guess you could say, your worship unto something or someone else. In Romans chapter 1, verse 25 from the New Living Translation, it says that there are a group of people that traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. So you see what happens is that people take, instead of worshiping God, they're worshiping the creature. Instead of the creator, the creation. And it even says that they're trading the truth about God and who God is for a lie. And that is clearly the work of Satan. Having mankind shift its focus, its focal point of worship off of the one true and living God who created them and putting it somewhere else. Having creation be driven to destruction by being enslaved to sin. You know, these kind of things are the things that affect people to this day. We see the strategy really play itself out in Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 through 10, as the devil was testing Jesus. It says again, the devil took Jesus up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed, key word, him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to Jesus, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Him only shall you serve. Satan says to Jesus, look away from God and onto the things that don't last. I will give all of these things to you if you will just bow down and worship me, Satan says. But then Jesus quotes the scriptures. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. See, worshiping is what we do. <laughs> we worship. We do. We worship and we must worship the right way. Now, most of the world in some way, shape or form worships power money, sex, possessions, pleasure, and a whole host of other things. Their worship is attributed to those things. And all of the things that I listed are really a part of the previously mentioned progression. Remember where my focus is, is where I'm going and what I'm worshiping, I am serving. I look, I see, I'm driven towards, I worship and I serve. That's the progression. But the unfortunate truth of worshiping someone or something other than God is that you'll always be empty. You will always need more. You will always, always be in a place where you never have enough. And ultimately what happens is that you will find that your object of worship, if it is not God and him alone, will control you, but will never help you. Those things apart from God, 
that you worship will control you, but they'll never help you. And often our personal accomplishments even can lead us to a place of praising ourselves instead of, you know, praising God. When we attribute our successes and our accomplishments to ourselves and we're when we're doing that, we're in grave, grave danger of arrogance, arrogance and a very steep fall, very steep fall from that place of arrogance to where we need to be in humility. However, if we remain focused on the Lord and the one to whom all praise is due, then he will lead us in the way that we should go. We'll be protecting ourselves against allowing anything that belongs to God to be misdirected to us or to someone or something else. Something else taking the place of the worship of God. Now, with our personal accomplishments, just to you know, circle back around on that for a second, when we accomplish something, it should lead us to a deeper place of praising the Lord. Lord, thank you for what you have done. Thank you for, for blessing me. Thank you, Lord, for everything that you have done. You know, with every obstacle that we, we climb over, every difficult situation that we pass through, we should be giving God the glory for the great things he has done, not the great things we have done. <laughs> Worship is such a special thing in the life of the follower of Jesus because we're redirecting our focus and our praise to God. When we're worshiping the Lord, it empowers us in our spirit during those trying times because our flesh does not want to worship God. When we're going through difficulties, the flesh doesn't want us to praise God. Our flesh wants us to focus on the difficulty and remove our focus from the Lord and, and you know, uh, praise, praise powers our faith. Satan doesn't want us praising. He wants us focusing on something else. Let me say this again so it doesn't sound like it's so, you know, jumbled together. Praise powers our faith. When you praise the Lord, it powers your faith. And so in Nehemiah, now verse 2, it says that I gave charge of Jerusalem to my brother Hanani and Hananiah, the leader of the citadel, for he was a faithful man and feared God more than many. Now I'm hoping that the dads of our church could be known as this man here. He was a faithful man and he feared God more than many. Now one of the lies that were circling around uh, being spread about Nehemiah was that he wanted to rebuild the city of Jerusalem in order to name himself king. So Nehemiah not only refuted that lie with the truth by standing against those lies that were being spread, but he also backed up the truth with actions. Now, a good leader, and we need them today because it seems like everybody on social media, everybody that's out there on the streets are not good people. They're saying all types of terrible things and doing all types of terrible things while, you know, the Christians and the people that are the, the that are supposed to be the salt and the light in the world aren't doing anything. We need to not be afraid to speak the truth. Now, granted, there's never probably been a time in our history where it's been more shunned, more frowned upon to speak the truth, especially to have a biblical worldview. And we're going to be getting into some of those things, I think, in the future as we touch on critical theory, as we touch on what's really happening in our world today. But a good leader, a Christian leader, does not serve the Lord for what he can get out of it, but rather works for what the people need. 
And delegation was a huge tool that Nehemiah wielded, and he again would turn over more responsibility. I mean, somebody that's trying to grab power is not going to be delegating it out and empowering other people. So he would turn over more responsibility to those who were in a position to do, uh, really to focus more on their particular tasks. So notice in verse 2, the attributes of Hananiah. He was a faithful man. And he feared the Lord more than many. It really doesn't matter how many people we can have coming against us while we're doing the work of the Lord. I mean, often you can be like, man, it sure seems like there's a lot more of them out there than are with us. Well, listen, with the Lord, you're in the majority. (laughs) When the Lord's on your side, the battle's won. And it really doesn't matter if it's 15 million to one. If you're doing what's right, know that the Lord is with you and leaders cannot be swayed by the masses, but must be moved by the Holy Spirit. And so as we just have a a real brief section this morning, continuing in verse three, it says, and I said to them, do not let the gates of Jerusalem be opened until the sun is hot. And while they stand guard, let them shut and bar the doors and appoint guards among the inhabitants of Jerusalem. One at his watch station and another in front of his own house. So there was a community uh, uh, responsibility. And then there was a domestic or home responsibility that these men had in protecting their city and in protecting their homes. I think we need to be men that do both. We need to be in the forefront of protecting our city against the rot and spiritual decay of sin. And we need to be doing the same for our own homes. In verse four, it says, now the city was large and spacious, but the people in it were few and the houses were not rebuilt. Then my God put it into my heart to gather the nobles, verse five, the rulers and the people that they might be registered by genealogy. And I found a register of the genealogy of those who had come up in the first return and found written in it. These are the people of the province who came back from the captivity of those who had been carried away from Nebuchadnezzar. uh, The king of Babylon had carried away who had returned to Jerusalem and Judah, everyone to his own city. Now, in verses seven through sixty nine, there is a genealogy and you can read that by yourself. Uh, But as we conclude our section this morning, I want to just especially encourage you guys that are watching today. Be the leader that God has called you to be. Be for dads today, be the man that God has created you to be. Now, when I'm looking at this passage of scripture, I can't help but think to myself, I love when there are spiritual victories. I love when there are spiritual victories. How about you? I mean, isn't it nice? Isn't it a nice thing to pass the test or to overcome the spiritual attack? Absolutely it is. Absolutely. But it will seem that often is the case that Satan will retaliate after a great uh, spiritual victory, after we have a great victory. It would also seem that if we let our guard down after we've prayed so long and have endured so greatly that, uh, you know, that Satan would love to come in when we, you know, say, I'm going to take a day off or I'm not going to uh, continue to persevere as I ought to. Nehemiah made sure that though they had a great victory and had accomplished a great feat, that he did not leave his guard down. Guards are watching the walls. They're watching the gates. They're watching their homes. That's who we need to be. We can't let our guard down either. I mean, we may think, oh, hey, I'm good. Well, you better watch out. 
take heed. You think you stand? Well, you could fall. You're not past it. We need to stay in the word and in prayer. And we need to live our lives for the the praise of God in order to protect ourselves against the attacks of the enemy. You know, we pray in advance so that when the battle comes, we're ready. Because it's when we're not watching, when we're not praying, that we can fall into temptation. And we really believe that the Lord has his hand upon our church. His hand is upon you. And I want to encourage you today that you take that you would take the time to spend time in the word of God, to pray, to pray for your family, to pray for your marriage, to pray for your children. Be involved in their lives. Be involved. Be aware of what's happening in your city. Be organized. Have vision from the Lord. Lord, what is it that you want me to be doing? How can I be involved? What can I do for my family? And you'll find that the Lord gives you everything that you need when you need it. And so today, as I mentioned, as we have just really a a, a condensed passage of scripture here, just these first six verses of Nehemiah, I really, really think that, especially being Father's Day, uh, that we would especially make it our aim Make it our desire to be the men that God has created us to be, that we would be leaders of what is right, that we would not be followers of what is wrong in culture and what our society is telling us is acceptable, but that our worldview would be a biblical worldview. God's word is truth. Now, there are a lot of people in our world today that say, you know what, you can't speak into this situation because you don't have the experience or because you're not like me. Listen, God's word is truth and truth speaks into any situation, any situation. And if we're to say that God's word does not apply to every situation that's in the world, then we no longer have a biblical worldview and we as the church have greatly erred. Truth, the truth of God's word will speak and can speak mightily into any situation that our country faces, that our culture faces, into any injustice, into any problem, into any confused state that we may be in. And it will give direction and clarity. And we need the church led by the the men and husbands and fathers inside of it. To speak the truth in love, to fight the good fight, to run the race to win, and to be men of good reputation, to be men that are faithful, to be men that fear the Lord more than most. And I think it's at that point that we're going to see a revival happen in our land. Do not be swayed by what's happening outside of your biblical worldview. Don't allow it to jerk your chain to the left or to the right. Listen, Jesus said it. Narrow is the way that leads to everlasting life. There are a few who find it. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are a lot of people on that path. A lot. However, the Lord said, sanctify them by your word. Your word is truth. 
Jesus said that he was the way, the truth, and the life. And you have the way and the truth and the life living inside you. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. So do not be intimidated. Do not be fearful. Do not be silenced. But allow the power of the Holy Spirit to work not only in your life, but through your life as an ambassador pleading with the lost world to be reconciled to God. You have it in you. And you need to exercise that faith. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to be uh, gathered together to study your word. And we ask, Lord, now for your blessings. We ask that we'd have a great rest of our Sunday. And Lord, that you would have your hand on Vision City Church and all the families, all the individuals, all the children, all the parents. Lord, we ask, God, that you would do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond anything that we could think of or ask for. And Lord, I thank you that you see the things that we need. And Lord, you even have prepared to meet those needs before we are even aware to pray for those needs. And so, Lord, we thank you and we ask, Lord, for all of these things in Jesus' name. And we all say, Amen. Amen. So may the Lord bless you today. May he keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in Jesus name. Amen. God bless and have a great rest of your Sunday.